Have you guys uh, made your, thank you, Jeffy. Have you guys made your New Year's resolutions yet? Have you broken, have you kept any of your New Year's resolutions yet? I resolve to tell you about getting uh, one of, uh, or many of Laurel's, Laura's CDs. They're really, really good. Uh, this one is Home. This is an old one which, is, which has been revamped by Catch the Fire. It was published uh, by another company, but now it's published again by Catch the Fire. This is Home, but there are other ones back there. Our most recent one is um, uh, Four Winds, which has some great, really great songs on it. We always love when Laura, when Laura comes to lead worship with us. Aren't you guys uh, blessed by that? Aren't you guys blessed by the song selection today? I mean, no longer slaves. Every single line of that word, I was just saying, whoa, shakabungu, we're no longer slaves. He parted the sea so we can walk through it. You know, it's going back to, you want me to sing it? It's going back, I hope you understand, that's, that's a biblical reference to when the people were, people of, of Israel were, were coming through from the Egypt into the promised, or into the, um, into the wilderness, into the promised land, and God parted the seas for them. And that's sort of, the, the, the song speaks about the power that God has available to him in order for us to be set free from the things that captivate us, such as fear and anxiety and all those negative emotions that continue to, to, to restrict us and limit us and captivate us as if we're still living in Egypt. And there's freedom. And the best way to discover that freedom is knowing who we are in Christ, that we are sons and daughters of the living God. I mean, I can't make you understand that in your heart. The Holy Spirit has to do that. I can tell you with words and show you from the Bible that that's what Jesus died to make available for us. The Son of God, Athanasius, I mean, uh, Augustine said, then Athanasius repeated it. He says, the, sons, the Son of God became the Son of Man so that the sons of men can become sons of God. This is what Jesus did, did, did for us. And it was because of his reckless love for us. No lie you won't tear down. No, no wall you won't break down. Coming after me. Come on. This is the God that we live for. This is the God that exists. This is the real God. He is passionate. He's not just some distant. You know, I grew up in a different religious system. And one of the pictures that still even in my mind, one of the pictures is of this God who is sitting cross-legged with a wonderful half-smile on its face, you know, uh, uh, as though it's unaffected by the issues of this world. But that's not the God who exists. The God who exists is the God who enters into this world of brokenness and suffering and suffers along with us and ultimately on the cross giving his life for us. I'm going to give my life to this God, aren't you? There's no other God or concept or idea that's worthy of my devotion. So I'm going to give it to him. Amen. I didn't plan to say any of that. I was talking about resolutions. A New Year's resolution is something that goes in one year and comes out the other. (laughs) 
Dear Lord, so far this year I've done well. Day six, I've done well. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. I'm very thankful for that. But in a few minutes, Lord, I'm going to get out of bed. And from then on, I'm going to really need your help. Ha, 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 ha. I amuse myself if nobody else. How many people are hoping that 2019, this year, this coming year, will be your best year yet? I mean, we always wish that to each other. We always, we always wish that for each other, don't we? May this year be your best year yet, ever, in every way. Okay, so my question then would be, if you want this to be your best year yet, what do you think you would have to do differently in order for this to become the best year yet? That's a rhetorical question. I'm not asking for any answers, Barbara. Amen, Barbara. It's more of a rhetorical question for you to reflect on. But good, thank you for your input. Here's a question. What dreams, what goals that you would like, what dreams or goals you have in your heart that you would like to see come to pass this year? How about if you take a second or two or three seconds and just turn to your neighbor next to your friend next to you or make a friend, give them your name, tell me your name, and just for a minute, just share with each other as openly, as vulnerably, as superficially, as surface level, just, just share one thing that you want to see God uh, do for you this coming year. Go ahead, three minutes or less. I'll lie, you won't tear down, coming after me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down. I don't deserve it. Still you give yourself away, all the overwhelming. Oh, the overwhelming. Wow, some of you people are uh, uh, chatting so much, it feels like you're, you're sharing a whole list of ten things, my gosh. Come on. That's wonderful. Okay, folks. Here's what, um, here is what the, here's a verse that I want to share on that God spoke uh, to me on New Year's Eve right here. 
We had a fantastic New Year's Eve celebration, second time, second year in a row. And by the way, thanks to Sean uh, Carmali. Sean, yes. Uh, Sean and uh, Kayan and a whole bunch of, of folks of our leaders did a really good job. Yeah, just give them all a hand. It's amazing. And Sean has been up late into the night. He sent me an email at 2 o'clock, uh, 9 minutes to 2 this morning, about a video that he's been working on putting together. And um, it's... Um, so we, we'll have a link of it, a link to it in um, our email blast, and then we'll put it on our Facebook, Scarborough Facebook page. Everybody knows we have a Scar Catch a Fire Scarborough Facebook page, so just in a, maybe tomorrow or whenever, just go have a look there. You'll see this five-minute clip on uh, what happened here. It was great. It was fantastic worship. There was sharing of prophetic words. There was lots of food and games and a really fun, fun evening together. And uh, so thanks again, Sean, for taking the time to do that quite... Uh, sort of spontaneously and out, out of your own initiative. I love that. Great. Um, Alpha is going to be starting February 17th. I won't take too much time to talk about this, but Alpha is a, an amazing tool that uh, has, been, has been made available to the church to help people in a very non-threatening, uh, sort of a hosp hospitable kind of a way to create an environment where we can... Um, uh, ask the big questions of life. Why are we here? Uh, what's this life all about? What happens when we die? And uh, we found this to be a really powerful tool. And so starting February 17th, which is a Wednesday night right here in this room, uh, we'll begin to run Alpha. And so the reason why I'm telling you that up front is that uh, in the past when we've run this, we've sort of insisted that uh, you church members, church congregation people, Christian people, um, in the past we had said that we only want you to come because it's really meant for, you know, people who are not yet believers in Jesus. Uh, we want to help them, uh, you know, at least hear the gospel. And so we had said, you, you, you're, only, you're only welcome to come or you're only invited to come if you're helping, helping in some way, or if you're bringing somebody uh, so, but, but, but now, we really, I've discovered, I've come to realize that this thing, even though it's aimed for people of, who are outside uh, the Christian faith at the moment, uh, it's really good for people who are in the faith to actually get even further grounded and, and, and get some tips and ideas on how to present the gospel. So I'm going to say it's open to everybody to come. All right? Uh, oh, hallelujah, Georgia. All right, so here's the verse that God gave to me on New Year's Eve as I'm sitting right there, Elsie and Jennifer and uh, Andrea and Amanda and everybody else doing their thing up here. And I'm sitting there, Lord, Lord, give me a verse, would you? I'm your son. Would you give me a verse that I can anchor my life on for this year? And he did, just out of the blue, this uh, thing popped into my memory banks or into my brain. Psalm 37.4. Psalm 37.4. I didn't know exactly the, I know the verse. It's a very common verse. Everybody knows this verse. Most Christians know this verse because it's a verse with a great promise. But I didn't know the uh, address. Right? But it's actually Psalm 
4. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. What a great promise, isn't it? Simple. All you got to do is delight yourself in the Lord, and everything you wanted will be given to you. Mercedes-Benz, million-dollar bank account, you know, everything you ever wanted will be given to you. Uh, no, that's not quite true. <clears throat> but we won't uh, quite go there yet. Let me read it for us. I'm going to read it in a, a little bit in the context of, the, of some of the verses around it. Because as I was reflecting on it and preparing for this morning, I realized I just can't speak on this one verse because, you know, one verse, taking one verse out of context is a dangerous thing to do. Somebody said a, a, a verse without a context is a pretext for anything you want to make of the verse, right? So a little bit of the context, the, the whole passage, the whole, um, cha- um, the whole chapter, the whole psalm is an amazing chapter. Uh, I can't take time to, to, to speak much about the whole bit of it, but um, it's essentially, um, this is a psalm of King David, by the way, King David. It's about, basically, uh, he's speaking to the covenant people of God, the people of Israel, the covenant people of God, and he's saying, um, uh, you know, uh, there are basically two things he's saying. There are those people who are wicked, in quotation marks, Right? Remember, he's talking about the covenant people. He's not talking about people who are not who are pagans from other other religious systems. He's talking about people who, people of the covenant. But in that context, he's saying the wicked are the ones who pursue things in their own strength and they trick people and they steal from people and they do all kinds of things in order to get what they want. He said, but then he says the righteous people are the ones who trust in the Lord, who delight in Him, who commit their way to the Lord. And when you do that, ultimately and eventually, you will get what the Lord has promised. Amen? So He's offering to us, and so for us as believers, Christians, when we look at this passage or this verse, or the whole context of the, of, of, the, of the psalm, it's not about you know, those who are non-Christians and those who are Christians. It's about people who are within the covenant people of God as Christians. It's still possible to live in such a way that, that uh, you are considered in, the, in, this, in this language as wicked, meaning that you're, you're pursuing things, even though you're a Christian, you're pursuing things in your own strength. But there's a better way, which is to... Be, yeah, be trusting. Am I making myself clear enough so far? Okay, so here's what he says. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and, be- and be- befriend faithfulness. I love that, that, that um, phraseology. Other translations say cultivate friendship. Dwell in the land and cultivate uh, um, cultivate faithfulness. Cultivate faithfulness. Cultivate consistency. He's talking about character, develop your character, be consistent, be faithful, be committed, be serving, be, you know, be doing all the good stuff. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him and He will act. He will bring 
forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Really powerful for me anyway. It really, really impacted my heart because as I'm looking at this coming year, uh, what the Lord is saying to me, Ramesh, you've done well. You know, you've sort of, you've been trying to seek me and you're pushing into me and you're trying to tell other people to push into me. And that's fantastic. But here's the deal. There's more. There's more. As you go into this new year, I really want you to delight yourself in me. In other words, find your, um, find your sense of satisfaction in me. Find your sense of fulfillment in me. Don't even look at the, what you have or don't have, what you're longing for and don't quite yet have. Right now, delight yourself in me. Delight yourself. That, that's a pretty strong word, isn't it? It has, you know, doesn't the word delight have a little bit of a oomph to it? Doesn't have a bit of a, I gotta get excited, you gotta get, you gotta put some emotion into it, you gotta put some, some intensity into it, you have to put some intentionality into it. Delight yourself in me. Trust in me. Delight in me. Commit yourself to me. I love it because the word trust, as we've been saying recently, it has nothing to do with any mental sort of, of, of thing, right? It's not a mental thing, oh yeah, I believe that, or I, I, it's actually putting yourself into the wheelbarrow, so to speak, as the guy was taking you across Niagara Falls on the tightrope. Uh, put yourself in that wheelbarrow. That's what trust is. I'm trusting that you will be able to take me across Niagara Falls. Trust, putting yourself into, uh, into God. That's what trust really is, right? Trust in me. I don't know about you, my friends, I have, put, I have put all my chips, to use a poker analogy, for those of you who may be offended, <clears throat> I've put all my chips in the middle, man. I've put all my chips, and I'm banking on the goodness of God, on the grace of Jesus, on the fellowship of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I need that, because I know who I am. I know how incredibly limited and weak and broken and, and everything else, but the, the cool the cool news is when I trust Him, He takes care of everything. And that's the promise of this, of this passage. Delight, enjoy, celebrate, finding contentment, satisfaction. Commit means give over to, depend upon. And He's saying commit your way, every aspect of your life. Is there any place as you look at, into 2019 and you're trying to make some new fresh Fresh choices and decisions. Most people want to do that as you begin a new year. It's a new beginning. So you're looking at your life, I imagine, to see, are there any ways that I need to, what changes do I have to make? So here's what I would suggest. Ask yourself the question, is there any places of my life where I haven't fully committed to the goodness of God? Committed them to Jesus. Say, Jesus I put this into your hands. I give my finances into your hands. I give my unsaved family members into your hand. I give my job situation into your hand. I give my, my relationship with my co-workers into your hand. I give my spouse into your hand. I give my own destiny into your hand. Is there any places in your life where you've not done that? I would recommend that this year, starting today, would be a great time to do that. 
Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him. Delight in Him. Commit your way to Him. And here's, here's the promise. He will act. He will act. And He will bring forth your righteousness as the light. So the imagery is, you know, there's day and night, darkness and light. So as the day begins to dawn and the timing of the Lord, your righteousness. What does that mean? Your, in this context, the righteousness is all the stuff that you have been doing right. Your right actions before the Lord, your right attitudes before the Lord, they will come into the light. So you're trusting in Him. You're delighting in Him. Your, your commitment to Him in God's timing, it will come into the light. And then your justice will be revealed as the, new, as the noonday sun. Like at noon. You know, the, the idea is that, um, you know, uh, there's, there's cloudiness sometimes, right? The sun is always there. Sun's always shining brightly, isn't it? Sun's always there. You guys are aware of that? The sun's always shining? Even when, there's, even when it's overcast, the sun's always there? Well, what this, what this imagery is, is that when at the right moment in God's timing, as you continue in your faithfulness, as you continue in your, in your trust, in your commitment, in your delighting in Him, at the right time, whoosh, God is going to blow His breath and the clouds are going to part and the, and the noonday sun is going to appear. In other words, uh, you, you will be justified. Your faithfulness, your righteousness, your goodness, all those things will pay off. They will pay off. Right? It's important to say that because, because you know, in our charismatic world, uh, we love to give testimonies of, you know, um, I did this thing. I wrote a check for $100, I put it in a thing, and as I'm doing that, somebody wrote a check for $1,000 for me. And we love to get those, that's a cool testimony, right? that's amazing, right? But those are the kinds of testimonies that we sort of, sort of exalt, and, we, and, we, and, and inadvertently, we, we create the impression that, that, you know, that's how it's supposed to be. You do a thing, you do an act of obedience, and then bam, you get the benefit of it. Right? And we celebrate those testimonies, and yes, we ought to. But let, not, let that not be the standard for what God wants to do in your life or how He wants to work in your life. Am I making sense? I'm saying ultimately, because God is just and good and true to Himself and true to His Word, when you do this, when you trust Him with, with, with continual consistency and faithfulness, when you delight in Him, over the long haul, when you commit your life to Him, every aspect of it, over an extended time period, ultimately, in God's timing, you will see the reward of your diligence, of your, of, of your faithfulness. And it's going to be awesome. Isn't it? All right, so... What I'm going to share with you now is I want to make sure that I, I, I share it in the context of the gospel because if I don't do that, 
we're going to think this is rules and regulations and do's and don'ts. But the gospel is Jesus, Son of God, left the glory of heaven, came into this earth, and was found in appearance as man. He took on the, he took on the nature of man. And even beyond that, he became a slave. And even worse than that, he died a criminal's death on the cross. And he did it because of his reckless love for you and for me. And the glorious news is that he rose again from the dead and he is currently seated at the right hand of the Father, clothed in, in, clothed in humanity and clothed in glory. There's a whole, stuff, a whole other message I can give just about that. But it's as if he came down. You know, I have the picture of, of Tarzan, okay? Okay? Tarzan, he's, he's, uh, sta- he's up there for, on one tree, and then he jumps on a vine, and he shoots down, and he, grabbed a da- he grabs a damsel in distress and lifts her back up to safety. It's a ter- terribly weak analogy and not even very good. But that's what Jesus has done for us. He, he left this glory of heaven and the safety of heaven, and he swooped down and grabbed us and then lifted us back up into this place of glory that we can, we can be uh, with, with him forevermore. And that's the gospel message. That's the good news. He did this. And so like I said before, I'm, I've given my life to this. I've lost relationship with family members, with friends. Doesn't matter. He's worth it. Every single second of it, he's worth it. So, um, how do we delight in the Lord? How do we delight in the Lord? Before we get there, let me just say one more thing. In the context of the charismania and uh, catch the fire and everything else, we've been from day, since 1994 when God poured out His Spirit in an incredible way, an awesome way. We even then we've been saying there's another wave coming. There's another wave of of that's coming that will bring great revival and. And I love it, and I totally believe it. I believe that, that uh, not in a not-too-distant future, there will be another incredible outpouring of, of the Holy Spirit of God in our midst, and it's going to be on to people getting saved, and it, it's, it's going to be glorious. But, but the danger in thinking like that is that it can become a lie from the pit of a bad place, because the, uh, the corollary is, or the conclusion could be that, oh, I just have to wait and sit until God pours out His Spirit again. And then I'm going to get into action. Then God's going to use me. Then I'll be anointed. Then I'll be powerful. Then I can do science, wonders, and miracles. Then I can make a difference. Well, that is absolute nonsense and not at all in the Bible. So if you believe that, let go of that right now. You be the revival that you're looking for. Come on. You be the revival that you're looking for. Mm.
I think it was Patricia Bootsma who was saying that personal revival precedes corporate revival. Let's get our hearts on fire for Jesus. Let's burn for the person of Jesus. Let's burn for a relationship with Jesus. You know, I keep saying this to, to, to people who are in ministry. One of the greatest enemies of personal revival in, for ministers is the ministry itself. <laughs> I, I, I feel it. I feel it because, you know, I, 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 I can tend to read the Bible in order to prepare messages, not for personal devotion to Jesus. I could go to prayer meetings on Wednesday nights, not because they want to pray, but because it's part of my job and I'm telling everybody else to do it. You know, these things things can become uh, the rhythm of doing life, going through the motions of, of doing church life. But what God is calling us to have is to have a burning heart for the person of Jesus. I mean, I have a lovely wife, right? Everybody agrees. Imagine, yeah, come on, give it up for him. Imagine if our relationship was only, would only be based on sort of a professional sort of a deal. You know, uh, your agreement is you're going to make me food and I'm going to eat it. And, you know, that would be so ridiculous, right? And this is, this is the kind of relationship that God wants to have with us. It's a love affair. It's a burning, passionate affair that he wants to have for, with us. That's why I love that song, Reckless Love. Even though people get, even Christians, Bible-believing, wonderful Christians, get scared by that phraseology, reckless love. And we bring all our, our theological uh, weight to argue against it. But there's a recklessness, I believe, in God's uh, passion for us. Listen, when you're crazy for somebody, you would do nuts, crazy things. Think of it. When you were first in love with, with the person uh, you're, you're in love with, Okay, when you were first in love with them, didn't you sort of do some crazy things? Like some outside-the-box things? People would say, Why, are you crazy doing that? Well, that, that's the kind of thing that God has done for us. He's done the craziest thing possible. He's given His very best. And even when we were hostile to Him, even when we were foes, the, the song says something about foes. When I was your foe. When I was your foe. Oh, come on. Whoa. We got to burn. We got to burn for Jesus. Oh boy. I was going to do this in half an hour. We're going to go fast, okay? So, how do we delight ourselves in the Lord? Really quickly. Uh, one, because of our devotion to Him, not because of rules and regulations or, or, or ought to or obligation, because of a passion in our hearts, we want to practice His presence, meaning we want to spend time with Him. Jesus. We want to spend time with Him. And we all have busy lives, and we're mothers, and we're working 54 hours a week, and all the rest of it. We're very, very, very busy people. But I would recommend that you find in your busy life, carve out time in your busy life to practice His presence. It can be simply as, as you're driving in your car. You, I can't drive in, I've, every time I go in Auten's car, this is Mr. Auten right here, every time I go in his car, there's always worship music playing. He's always cultivating an atmosphere of worship and praise, even in his car. We can do that. We can have, a, we can have worship going in our car. If you're on the subway, taking the subway or, or the streetcar or whatever it is, you've taken the TTC, the better way, 
uh, we can we can be have a Bible open. We can be listening with our AirPods. Who's going to care if you raise your hands? It's a crazy city anyway. You know, <laughs> practice His presence. Worship and pray wherever and whenever. Uh, because we're all about, here's the goal, we're all about being transformed. It's in the context of encountering God, it's in, in, encountering His presence. It's in, in His presence that we are actually transformed, isn't it? It's in His presence that we're actually transformed. Okay, just keep going faster here. The next thing we, the uh, next uh, component in our delighting in Jesus is, uh, is this three things that we always talk about here at Catch the Fire. Confessing, repenting, and forgiving. In any relationship, whether it's a human relationship or a relationship with God, these three things need to be there if it's going to be a meaningful uh, by the way, if you want my notes, just email me and I'll send them to you. I see people taking pictures. You can do that too. Um, confess, repent, forgive. You can do that. You can, you can if, if you're um, in, any, in any human relationship, if you wanted to have a meaningful, healthy, growing, uh, burgeoning relationship that's continually flowering, these three things need to be part of that relationship. Confession. I want to tell you a quick story um, conf concerning confession. Back when I was a little kid, I was like 12 years old. Um, I have an older brother who's five years old, so he was 17. He just gotten a motorbike. He bought a motorbike. So I went to my mother and my father. I want a bicycle, man. If he can have a motorbike, I need, a, I need something too. <laughs> you can't have a motorbike. You're too small. You're only 12. Okay, well, give me a bike then. So they looked around, there was no Kijiji, there was no eBay, there was nothing. I don't know how they found this bike, but somebody in the neighborhood had this old, rusted out, horrible bike. The, the tires were all broken up and everything. And they brought it home and, and, and they gave it to me and said, okay, here's your bike. Well, great. So it wasn't, a, it wasn't quite, that's not the bike, that's just a, that wasn't, it, it was very, very yellow. I painted it carnival yellow. Carnival yellow was the color of my bike that I painted. I think it was rusted everywhere, man. Um, the, my my uh, tires were still black, and the, um, the, the, the seat was also black, and the handlebars were black, but everywhere, everything else was yellow. I just painted, I just slapped, wherever there was rust, I slapped some enamel paint on it. Bright, bright yellow. There's only two things in this world that, that can be seen by, uh, from outer space. Two man-made man, man objects. The, the, the Wall of China, the famous uh, Great Wall of China, and my bicycle. You can see these two things. So, I'm, I'm riding my bicycle around, and I'm having fun with it. No hands. I'm riding on the road, no hands. You know how you can do it when you're 12 years old? And, um, but here's the deal. Like Within a week, less than a week, less than seven days... Rust began popping up through my beautiful yellow bicycle, my enamel paint, and da-da-da-da-da-da. All right. I grabbed some more enamel paint. I went to the store, bought some more enamel paint, slapped some more paint on. Within seven days or less, the rust began to come again. And my father noticed this. He said, the guy who gave me those six lashes, that was a New Year's Eve story. He said to me, listen, man, you're going to be struggling with this rust as long as you have this bicycle unless you really deal with it properly. What you need to do is take a sandpaper 
and begin to scrub the rust all the way down to the metal. Just take it out. Otherwise, it'll keep popping up. It'll keep popping up. It'll keep popping up. Right? When it comes to relationship with God or with others, it's no use, brothers and sisters, <laughs> when we do something wrong, when we blow it, that we, we grab some, some yellow paint in the form of good deeds. Okay, let me buy you some food or just trying to be nice or whatever it is to, 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 to coat over this underlying thing. Because eventually it'll pop up again. It'll pop up in other ways. And uh, so that's a powerful message for us. If we want to develop our relationship with Jesus, let's make sure that as His Holy Spirit reveals things to us, uh, let's repent of them. Let's confess Let's confess them to him. The glorious news, the great news of the gospel is that Jesus has taken care of our sins, isn't it? He's just asking us, calling us, commanding us to repent of our sins, confess our sins. And by repenting, it, means, it, it doesn't mean crying and getting remorseful. That's remorse. That's being sad. That's okay. But repenting from your sins is actually turning away from it, turning away. And forgiveness. So that's that's a big part of delighting ourselves in the Lord. As we as we deepen our relationship with Him, let's do that. Okay. It's not just about confessing our sins and our shame and our deep hurts, though. It's also confessing. My wife reminded me of this even yesterday, or maybe the day before, the importance of confessing the right thing, having a right confession. Because we can very easily slip back into, oh, I can't do this, or I'm too bad in this area, or we can very easily make lots of, lots of excuses and begin to confess with our lips the wrong things, and because we confess with our lips the wrong things, our ear hears it, our mind hears it, and we begin to believe the lie, that we can't, we can't, we can't. Is that making sense? Confess bad stuff, but also confess the good stuff. Amen? One more thing, a few more things. Personal study of his word. Personal study of his word. I'm going to have to go fast. Let me tell you another story really quickly. I've told this story a long time ago, um, but, but uh, I, I was in Brazil, and I heard this Brazilian friend tell me the story. Uh, he knew of this missionary who was working among the indigenous, some of the indigenous peoples in the Amazonian uh, rainforest. And this man was there for many, many years and learning the language, learning the culture, and uh, gaining trust and building friendship with these people. And um, he got to the place, after many, many years, where, where when they have special functions, like annual uh, festivals, like special festivals, they would invite him. So he knew he was making inroads, he was getting closer to uh, you know, them uh, trusting him. And so this one festival, there's lots of food, they killed a bunch of animals and lots of food around, and um, he noticed that one of the elders, like the, one of the main elders, would take some of the food and chew it up, chew it up really, really well, chew up this food, this meat, whatever meat it was, just chew it up, and then he would give it to the matriarch, the woman who was the head of the, of the tribe, and he would give it to her, and she would eat it. 
uh, because she had no teeth. So she would eat it. So what an incredible, what, what intimacy and what, what, what connection between those two people, eh? So uh, the next year, to his surprise, when they had this festival again, they asked him to chew the, chew the food. So he, he thought, what a special moment. I've arrived. So the, woman, the, the, the people give him the meat. He chew, chews it up, chews it up, chews it up. And then he gives it to her to eat. She puts it into her mouth, begins to chew it, and then she stops and she gives it back to him to chew it up some more. Yeah. Here's the point of my story. The point of my story is this. I love the fact that in this day and age, in, the, in, this, in this globe, actually, not, not even just the West, but everywhere in this world, you can flick on the TV or the Internet, or you can go here, there, and everywhere, and you can get really, really good teaching. You can get some horrible teaching, but you can get some really good teaching as well. And it's great that you have access to all these teachers and all this teaching everywhere you look, right? And some of us have our favorites. I love my Bill Johnson once, once, once a week, like good medicine. Um, you know, we all, we all have our favorites. But here's the deal. Here's my conviction. Just simply listening to other people's teaching where they have spent hours and uh, you know, effort and time to spend in God's presence, to open up the Bible, to study, to hear from Him, and then, and then to have a message, a message to deliver, that's fantastic. But if we end up chewing their cud, we aren't going to be neutrified as if we were able to spend our own time with the Holy Spirit and with the Bible studying the Word of God. That's, in my own life, that's what's changed me the most. I love, I love all the messages of, you know, John Arnott for forgiveness, and those have been very, very helpful. But personally speaking, the most fundamental changes that have ever happened to me is when I have the Bible open and I have the Word of God and I have God speaking to me directly. Come on. So here's what I'm saying. Personal study of, of His Word. If you want to delight yourself in Jesus this year, try to carve out time where you, where you, where you give to personal... Don't forsake Bill Johnson and whoever, but make sure you have time. Make sure that's not your only source of nutrition. Make sure your primary source of, nutri of, of nutrition is your personal connection with the Word of God, with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Okay, we're running late. Sorry, guys. Okay, so here, having just said all of that, here's what I'm doing this year. Start, I already started it. Uh, last year, we came across... Um, uh, sorry, we were, reading, we were reading through the Bible, you know, in this church as a congregation, um, uh, and, and we were using a specific thing. I was using CBN because... It's audio, right? I could just listen to the guy speaking and you know, go through the Bible that way. I didn't do it every single day, but that was my go-to thing for reading through the Bible this uh, last year. Now, this year, I came across um, the Alpha, BibleInOneYear.org. I'm recommending this to everybody. It's really, really good because Nikki Gumbel, who is the vicar of HDB, the founding church of the Alpha thing, 
Um, he does a fantastic job. They do, they do one portion of Psalms and Proverbs, and then they do an Old Testament bit, and then a New Testament bit. And Nikki gives commentary. And he's very, very good, very good. Some of the best teaching you could ever hear. Anyway, so Bible in one year. If, 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 if you can't commit in your own heart to doing, I, you, so, so, some of us can't even commit to what's going to happen tomorrow or a week from today. So how can you even think about doing something for a whole year? I understand that. How about if you just take one book of the Bible? What I did last year was, um, in addition to everything else I was doing and reading everything else, what I did was I had the book of John and the book of Acts. And I think maybe four, three or four times I read through in different translations the book of John and the book of Acts. The book of John, the book of Acts. And I love it because I was feasting on it. And it was, for me, it was manageable. This year I'm going to do the book of Hebrews because for me it's been one of the more neglected books. I haven't spent a lot of time in it. And there's so much richness in it. I read large chunks of, of, of the Bible as well, not just individual verses. Just, anyway, there you go. Just read the Bible. Read the Bible. It'll be good for you. Hang around like-minded people, folks. Hang around like-minded people. That should be an obvious thing to say, but it really is necessary. One of the things that God told John or not way back when, before the revival happened, was um, if you want to have anything happen in your life, good. Uh, um, one of the things you need to do is to give me your mornings. The other thing is to spend time with anointed people. Spend time with the people who's anointing you, you want to have. So if you want to delight yourself in Jesus, spend time with people who also are on the same track, who also want to delight themselves in Jesus, who also want to go deeper in Jesus. Yeah? Wrapping it up. Spur one another onto love. Now that's, that's a verse from Hebrews. I think it's chapter 10. Spur one another on to love and good deeds. Don't forsake the assembling of the, of the brethren, whether it's in a large context or whether it's small groups. Spend time with people. Don't negate uh, relationships with, non, with people outside the church, but also make a commitment to spend time with people. Accountable, healthy relationships. I don't mean just superficial relationships. I mean healthy, accountable relationships where you get to share your heart with people and pray for each other, all the rest of it. Choose your friends. Choose your destiny. Choose your friends Choose your destiny. If you want 2019 to be a success in these areas, do these things. Finally, take risks with God. Take risks with God. Learn to hear God's voice for yourself. I mean, we have courses and we teach these things, but you have to do it yourself. We can teach you the course, but you, you have to do it. Spend time listening to the voice of God and then acting on what you hear. Take a risk and act on what you hear, whether it's praying for somebody or whatever it is that the Lord's telling you to do. Take a risk. Build up your own story with God because as you do that, your history will, with God will only get stronger. You'll have a story to tell. You'll have a testimony to give. Amen? Amen. Uh, start praying for people. Finally, the benefits of doing all of this is what God said to Abraham. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. Isn't that an incredible thing? This is his promise. Even in, this, in Psalm 37, 
You do these things. You, 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 you trust in me. You delight in me. You commit your ways to me. You commit your life to me. And you will have me as your ultimate reward. What more can we ask for? Amen? Amen. Shall we all stand? Would you like to uh, say something and close off? What a feast. Wow. Lord, we just give ourselves again to you. Lord, we want to delight in you. And will you take us deeper into each one of these areas? And Lord, as a congregation, we want to bury our, our face in your chest this year. And we want to know you the way you want us to know you. Just in your heart of hearts, because he's not after actions. Actions follow having a right heart. But in your heart, just make that decision to pursue him. Pursue him. Don't stop until you know the reality of his affection on the inside. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If any of you want further prayer, please come and join us. Our leadership team will be up at the front, and we will just we love to pray with you and hear God on your behalf and cheer you on. And for those of you who are new today, please join us in the Newcomer's Lounge. Uh, just uh, when you come out of these doors to your right, just jump in. There's tea and coffee and, and just come and meet us, okay? And for those of you who uh, want to go in there, please do meet some new people, all right? Okay, we just bless you. Um, Lord, make your face shine upon us. And hold us tightly this week. And then release your love in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you.